Hello, all you reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am the founder of this podcast and of CoveyClub.com, where you can find everything you need about reinvention. And today we are going to talk to Jan Freed. She is a PhD and leadership development consultant and speaker who focuses on change management and leadership development at all ages and career stages. She specializes in helping employees 50 plus find meaning and purpose beyond their careers. And she has a concept she developed called The Breadcrumb Legacy, which is now a book all about creating new meaning for ourselves in our second second half of life. She is a co-author of five books, including Leading with Wisdom, Sage Advice from 100 Experts, in which she interviews prominent leadership gurus such as Jim Autry, Marshall Goldsmith, Sally Hegelson, Dan Pink, and Margaret Wheatley. Dr. Freed is a professor of business management emerita at the former Mark and Kay DeCook Endowed Chair in Leadership and Character Development at Central College, Pella, Iowa. After 30 years of college teaching and administrative responsibilities, she left to become a senior consultant with the organizational development firm, The Genesis Group. And what I love is she really understands that transition and the time in the middle that you must spend when you are transitioning, because that is really a, a, a key development moment that can be very painful for anybody making a transition, even if it's a transition you want to make, but it makes us nervous. Anyway, enjoy Jan Freed. So Jan, wonderful to meet you. Thank you. I'm honored to be here, Leslie. So let's talk a little bit about your personal reinvention. I always like to start there because I think, you know, once you've lived it, you really have a a sort of better bona fides for understanding what to do and how hard it is. It's not, it's not so easy as we know. So talk a little bit about, you know, what you've done in your career and what your major transition was that was fairly recent into uh, your coaching and your writing. Okay, sure. That's a great place to start. Well, I taught for 30 years, I say only 30 years at a small liberal arts college. I taught business management leadership um, and I loved it. I loved what I was doing, but my professional mentor who was at the University of Illinois, Chicago, sent me a book called From Aging to Saging, a revolutionary approach to growing older. And he said, Jan, baby boomers are not going to know what to do with their lives, you know, and we're, yes, we talk about a life extension, but it's not just at the end of life, it's more in the middle. And so this whole idea of 50 plus and reinvention, it's real, it's important because, you know, we're active, we're healthier, and we really want to continue to contribute. So it took me uh, about five years to really transition out of my full-time teaching career. I was tenured. I had an, I held an endowed chair. Um, I could have stayed there forever, but I thought, you know, I'm really antsy. I want to do something else. I want to actually practice what I'd been teaching. 
for decades. And so uh, my, my colleagues who are my age are like, we can't believe you're doing this, you know? And I call it, you know, I was in this transition. Like I wanted to go from something to something else and do it at an age when I was young enough to do it. So I do leadership coaching, I coach clients, and my focus is really on helping people make the rest of life the best of life. So I talk about what's next, and because this is really uncharted territory. I mean, we're really still new at this, and as your podcast points out, I mean, people are still trying to figure it out, and it isn't all so easy. It took me five years. I I tell my clients, while you're still working, there are certain things that you should or could be doing now to prepare for what's next. Let's talk about that. Oh my goodness. This is, this is my, my biggest rant or whatever is like, how do we get women especially to be prepared and think about being prepared? I see, and I guess it's human nature. I see an awful lot of heads in the sand, even when things are going badly, people are afraid to look up. They're afraid to admit what's happening in their in their personal career or in their sector, um, I see a lot of denial. And a lot of times I get people calling me for help um, at Covey Club and they're like, oh, I'm about to be fired. I'm standing in the bathroom. What do I do? And it's like, <laughs> it's a little late, but we can still help you. But how do we get people? Do you, do you have thoughts on that? You must. On yeah. how to think ahead and plan ahead. Right. Let's start there. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. And I know your audience is uh, primarily women. But what I will say is women really are better at this than men. Because wow. men, so much of your career is your platform, your identity. And that that's true for men or women. But I often say, you know, society allows women more freedom. So we can go to wine, wine clubs or wine groups, book groups, um, you know, women can socialize in groups easier than men. Men can play golf, tennis. They might have power lunches, um, but they don't feel as comfortable going out to movies with, you know, two or three guys. But, oh, God forbid. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. And so really what's interesting is, you know, women, it is it is still hard, but uh, it's much harder for men, I think. And one of the things that I point out is, you know, the statistics are not good. Um, you know, uh, suicide for white males, 50 plus, higher than average. Um, drug and alcohol, you know, use and abuse for people 50 plus, you know, is increasing. Yeah. Uh, divorce women too, rate, the suicide numbers the su for, for women 40 plus are horrible. Yeah, no, it's horrible. And divorce for people 50 plus, yep. you know, higher than average. And so, you know, they call it, what do they call it? The grain divorce. Um, so, you know, the statistics are not good, which shows that people, men and women are struggling with this change, as you're saying. So one of the things that I say to people is while you're still working, and I did this, actually, I did this while you're still working start exploring, start discovering, set up informational meetings, you know, coffee dates, you know, try to figure out, I joined a women's executive group, you know, so that gave me kind of an anchor. So when I let go of teaching, I already had, I was in an executive group already. And, and so I already had a network, um, you know, so try to make those connections because they aren't so easy to make. And then if you don't have a paycheck coming in, you even have that, 
higher level of stress. So while you still have, you know, while you're still on a regular paycheck, you know, start doing some of this investigating. And um, one point that I often make in my workshops is I say, if you are exploring this, I just got done taking it. It was called Mastering Midlife Course. Because even though this is my passion, I still want to grow and learn and, you know, so I can share this information. And I often say, if you're, if women are growing, you need to have this conversation with your significant other. Because when I was younger, I didn't understand when, when people would say, well, they grew apart. What do you mean they grew apart? Well, now I get it. <laughs> if you're not really growing and not having these conversations, then I think that's where, you know, people really, uh, the marriage or the commitment, whatever the relationship breaks down. So I think it's really important. I was doing a workshop where a man came up to me afterwards. He said, Jan, the most important thing I learned is my wife and I have never talked about what's next. And I wow. said, you need to, you need, and he said, I'm 68. Whoa. <laughs> and said, she and I, the only thing we talk about is visiting grandchildren, but he said, oh my goodness. Grow up. And he, and I said, you need to have those conversations now, you know? And so are you on the same page? How do you want to live your life? And I also say, look for role models. Who's living a life that looks attractive to you? And what is it about that life that is attractive? And then just start exploring that. So those are just a few tips right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, the majority of Covey Club members are, are still working. Um, mm -hmm. Most of them still in corporate life. Um, mm -hmm. About 28% of them are um, entrepreneurs and about 60 something percent are currently in, you know, corporate regular mm -hmm. jobs. And they're trying to navigate that transition and figure it out. And you, so with your experience and what you've done, you say it's about five years, that whole transition. I think so, you know, because, um, for one of my books, leading with wisdom, sage advice from a hundred experts, I had a chance to interview William Bridges. Now he's one of the real experts on transitions. And I don't know if you've had other people talk about this before, Leslie, but no, not him. No. Mm. Okay. Well, he is now deceased, but his name's William Bridges, and he's written all kinds of books. My favorite is The Way of Transition. But he talks about three major steps, endings, the neutral zone, and beginnings. And he basically says, you don't begin something unless something else is ending. Now, that could be you know, a marriage. It could be a job. It could be uh, you move to a different neighborhood, different city. Anything you know, Before you start something new, you're ending something. And so he really stresses, we as humans, we need to get, we don't like endings. So the neutral zone is where a lot of, he says in the neutral zone, you need to process that, you know, that you might have grief involved, you know, grief involved in the loss of marriage. Yes. Loss of yes. You know, so he says, you, you know, you need to process in that neutral zone really before you begin something else, but we don't like, we, and I'm generalizing, we don't like neutral zone, okay? So that's why, you know, some people have affairs. They don't want to leave one marriage until they have another relationship started. They don't want to be in that neutral zone. Now, a newer book, which is a similar, he has a similar take on it, but something different, his Bruce Feiler, F-E-I-L-E-R, and his book is called uh, Life Transitions. And then there's a subtitle. But his thing is, 
he says, he calls the neutral zone the messy middle, and people don't like to stay in the messy middle. <laughs> but his take is, he says, it's not so linear. He said, you know, William Bridges made it sound like you go from here to here to here. And he says, no, he says, we're going to have these life quakes. And life quake, he says, happens about every seven years. And it's a major event that really throws your life off. You know, you get demoted, you lose your job, you get laid off, you get divorced. You know, there's a death in the family. There's, you know, something major kind of shakes up your life. And so he says, it's not so linear as Bridges talks about, but he still says, begin, uh, sorry, endings. And then he calls it the messy middle and then beginnings. And so for me, leaving a full-time teaching job where I could have stayed forever, um, I was, the last few years were very emotional, you know, because I was in that, uh, I knew I was going to let go, but I wasn't telling anybody. I don't know yeah. if you remember the show. It was with Laura Lenny a few years ago, ago called The Big C. And oh, she yes, I remember that. Yes, yeah, I remember cancer, that. But she didn't want anybody to know it. So she's living with it, but she didn't, she wanted to act like life. She wanted everybody to treat her normal. Okay. And that's kind of the way I was because when people, here's another aspect of retirement uh, that I don't like, because I also say, Leslie, I'm out to retire retirement. We're not retiring, but we're moving on. We're moving on. To, I love how um, uh, Serena Williams said she wasn't retiring from tennis. She was evolving away from tennis. Yes. Perfect. And that's what we're doing. We're evolving, but people don't like the word retirement. And so if you announce you're leaving, right. honestly, I saw this, our college president, you know, he retired and we went, uh, we had a presidential search committee of which I was on, but um, people just treated like he was already gone and he wasn't gone yet. And so I didn't want people to treat me like I didn't have any value because I'd been there 30 years and um, I was really, you know, I had a lot of influence on, uh, on things. So this whole idea of the transition, you know, letting go, I was very, you know, kind of very emotional, particularly my last year. Um, and uh, so it's a process. And I think understanding the whole process, I would recommend either Bridges books and or Bruce Filer's life, life transitions or life in the transition, something like that. So what you're saying is that we have to get comfortable in the transition and living there for a while before yes. we're going to find out what we what we want to do. I think I think a lot of people think that they've got to have the answer. And right. it's funny, I think that's what we learned with Covey Club when I was trying to figure out what Covey Club did and it wasn't until one of my members said you hold a space for us while we figure out what's next. That's and I realized right. that's powerful, right? Yes. That's powerful. And, you know, change in itself is, is, is usually an external event. Something happened. Transition is an internal event. Oh, and very so, good. Yeah. And so I help leaders understand this because if you don't, you can't help your, your employees work through it you know, you really, it's really kind of a counseling role because the transition is internal. So, you know, if there's a layoff, you know, that's one thing, but what's going on inside of people is another thing. And that's transition. Yeah, that makes sense. How, how, 
delayed are the two? Um, because I, I see people, I'm wondering if I see people who lose a job, run out, grab another job in two months, and then that blows go. up. And it's because they haven't really gone through the transition, right? They're exactly. just grabbing. Grab, yeah. You know, yeah, they grab something maybe too soon because particularly, you know, it's important in the trend. Why didn't that relationship work out? Why didn't that job work out? Why didn't we like that neighborhood or that community? You know, trying to figure that out so that you're not just jumping into the same thing. How many times do you know a person who jumps right back into either a similar type of relationship or a similar type of job? And from the outside, we might be thinking, you know, that the likelihood of that working is not good. <laughs> Well, also, where is the growth there, yeah, right? right? Because I think each one of these transitions, whether it happens from you or from the outside, mm -hmm. there's got to be some processing of growth, no? Yes, that's a very good point. How do you know if you're in that growth period and you should lie low and give yourself some time to see where you're going? Like, do you have a sense of, from the people you've worked with how long that transition should be? Yeah, I really don't in terms of, but I think, you know, it's so much of it is about emotions. So, you know, like I said earlier, you know, working through the grief, you know, and I've done a lot of grief work because there's a lot of sadness and loss in organizations now, particularly after COVID. I can and, see that. Um, yes. And so my latest book is called Breadcrumb Legacy, How Great Leaders Live a Life Worth Remembering. And I have a whole chapter on death, dying, grief. Um, I actually did a TEDx talk called Embracing Death, <laughs> um, which is kind of interesting. I teach, you know, I incorporate it. I was talking about death and dying to 22 year olds. Um, and that could be a whole nother topic. But there's so much because of COVID even you know, COVID brought, brought death, loss, grief, front and center. And yes. Most people don't do a lot of grief work. So they no. don't know how to process that. And if you don't know how to process your own grief as a leader, you can't help others. And so um, I think that's a, an important topic too. So how do you, how does grief play into transition? Do you feel that, or have you seen that there's grief with any transition? Oh, sure. I think there's grief with every transition. You know, even if you say, you know, like marriage, you're getting married. Okay. Well, in our country, most of the time you're choosing to get married. That's a happy, happy occasion. But yet, you know, you're grieving. Well, I'm not single anymore. I'm not going to be able to do exactly what I did before. Now I'm more accountable to someone. Or maybe you're leaving some single friends behind and you had a singles group. Or, you know, now you, you're moving because, you know, I mean, whenever, and, that, and that's a happy event. So even happy events, there are trans, graduating from college, you know, it's a happy event, but it's scary because now you're not going to have college life. You're in the real world and you're going to have different, you're leaving a lot of your really good friends behind. So I think every happy, every, you know, I think every, you know, change has a transition that often involves grief and loss. You know, you're leaving your best and friend. You're not going to have a roommate. Right. Yeah. Right. So talk a little bit about the idea of legacy 
and talk a little bit about what a breadcrumb legacy okay. is. What does that mean? Because okay. legacy is very important to um, yeah. everybody who's listening and understanding what that means, I think changes as you get a little bit older. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, I was doing out of my last book, uh, Leading with Wisdom, I had a chapter and these all, chapters all evolved from interviewing more than a hundred, uh, what I called sages. And um, some of the top thought gurus in uh, the field. And one chapter was leaders le live their legacy. And that was a chapter that really resonated for keynotes and workshops. So then I decided to do a deep dive. And when I would do workshop into legacy, what I call legacy work, legacy thinking, and I would do a workshop and I'd say, well, when do we leave our legacy? And people would say, well, when we die, when we leave, we leave a job, we leave a community, you know, when we leave the earth, I'd say, absolutely. But what about when I leave this workshop today? What am I leaving? I said, oh, I love leaving. that. Yeah, love we're that. leaving our, our legacy in bite-sized pieces, which I call breadcrumbs, all the time. It could be positive, it could be negative. And when we think about this, I say it can be like our true north, our moral compass. Um, it can prevent us from road rage, you know. I mean, it can really keep you on the right track. Now, I was doing a workshop recently, and a man said to me, don't you find that self-centered, that you're thinking about your legacy all the time? He said, I find that very, I think that's very self-centered. And I said, okay, let's substitute the words influence or impact. What would be, I mean, how do you feel about thinking about the influence you're having on others on a daily basis or the impact you're having on others? I mean, does, and he goes, oh. Now I get it. <laughs> so, you know, again, okay. I think we think so much about it. It's kind of funny, Leslie, because about a year ago, I read this article. The title was, and it was about Tom Jones, the singer. And if you remember, I can't remember yes. what's new, Pussycat. Whoa. Yes, yes, anyway, yes. I remember the him. title was, I'm turning 80. It's time to think about my legacy. <laughs> and I'm reading the article and in the article, he even says, you know, I guess I probably already have one, but what if I'm not happy with it? Well, maybe I need to change it. So, you know, this whole idea of if we think about how we want to be remembered, then we should try to live in that way. And mm. so that's kind of where my latest book is coming from. And what do you see that since we're talking specifically about women, 40, 50, 60, Plus, mm -hmm. what do you see women doing differently, good or bad, towards planning for change? Do you, I mean, you've interviewed a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. What are the tips and tricks that you've learned um, yeah. that are helpful? Yeah, I think that's very good. First of all, I think a support group, uh, you know, uh, and it can be any kind of, you know, women that you really trust, because the key is um, Robert Waldinger had a, you know, he's at Harvard. He uh, just had a book come out called The Good Life, Lessons from the World's Longest Scientific Study of Happiness. And he had a TED Talk with the same title, The Good Life, and it went viral. I, I want to say over 40 million views. And he says in the book, and the book's quite thick, but in the first 10 chapter, or for, I'm sorry, 10 pages, he says, if I had to summarize the good life in one sentence, it's about positive relationships. It's all about relationships. And I think I'm generalizing, but I think women are better at relationships than men. Better meaning better at cultivating. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. And yeah. sustaining them. Yes. Um, and so I even helped my husband uh, create a book group because he likes to read. And uh, I said, you need more friends. And he's a very nice guy. But, you know, I think, and it's become very, it's been very successful. And, you know, um, I talk about that in my breadcrumb legacy book, but this whole idea of relationships, um, you know, I'm in a book group. I'm in a, actually, I, we, we have it tonight. So I'm in a women's book group. I'm in a women's executive group, as I mentioned. I mean, women, I think, you know, men might, they'll have a breakfast club, but do you really get together to share you know, or ask for help even, you know, like this is something that's- They violent. can't ask for directions. How no, are they going to ask for that's help? That's a very, Jan. very good point. But I think so, like this mastering midlife, one of the things that there were 12 of us in it, I believe, and it was online and it was taught by Pam Maxson and she's a Duke professor. But one of the things that we all agreed on at the end of the course is the most valuable thing of the course was the conversation among each other and the and the network. So now I yes. feel like I have 12 other people. We can talk a common language. And um, I had mentioned that one of my sons is struggling with something. And one of the women in the group sent me an email and said, let's talk. I have a similar issue. And, you know, those kinds. So I think it's that support, the relationships. And um, as we get older, it's really important that people continue to cultivate relationships because our circle of friends shrinks. People die, people move away, and some people don't stay in touch. You're some talking about Covey Club, exactly. That's yeah, one of my points, exactly. Yeah, and some relationships, Leslie, become healthy because of that drinking and, you know, they just become, un they can be unhealthy, unhealthy habits. And so we have to cultivate and pay attention to our relationships and relationships take time and they're messy. Um, I'm actually writing a, writing a paper uh, that I'm going to turn into a presentation called how to make friends after 50. Oh, <laughs> love. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. could be I'm a whole other podcast Covey. because yeah, I've done yeah, a yeah. lot of research. And, oh, you know, interesting. Atlantic magazine had, they call them friendship files. They had a series of articles on how to make friends and what the value of friends. And um, so men and women need to continue to think about who are you hanging around? Because they say that the the five people who you hang around with the most, you become kind of the average of them. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. What so about, have you got any research on virtual friends versus live friends now that we've spent so much time getting to know people virtually? Yeah, um, a little bit, but I wouldn't say necessarily research, but I mean, I've talked about this with other people in terms of like, I taught a graduate course and it was online for 10 years, once a year since I left my full-time graduate teaching. And so we were way ahead of Zoom. Um, they used a different educational platform, but I was amazed at how well I got to know the students online, given the fact that I had 30 years, I was very resistant because 30 years of in-classroom teaching with, you know, teaching a class of 25 to 30. And then I was teaching 20 or 25 online. And I was really amazed at how well I got to know them. And that's 10 years of experience there. So um, I, I don't think it matters so much. I really, I mean, face-to-face -face is still important, um, but I think, you know, Zoom does a nice job 
and I, other yeah, I, I have no yeah. problem with it, but I know some people yeah. feel it's not the same. I actually, I have a lot of people in Covey Club who I've been on Zoom with for four years and have yet to meet live, but I would consider them good friends. Yes, exactly. I think that, so I'm not noticing, uh, yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So what do you see as barriers that older women set up towards making these connections or towards moving into the next thing that they're doing? Do you think most of the barriers are personally set up, accidentally even, culturally set up, or do you think it's just individual mentality that we need to know ourselves really well and work through those situations? Yeah, I think I would say, that's an excellent question, and I think I would say that it's mindset. And you've probably had people talk about the difference, Carol Dweck's research on growth mindset versus fixed. Love Carol. I think I yeah. mentioned her like every fifth discussion. Yeah. No, she's, she's wonderful. And I kind of boil it down to that. A fixed mindset is about proving yourself. And so much of our culture and society reinforces proving yourself, proving yourself in school, proving yourself in the workplace, you know, achievements where a growth mindset is on improving yourself and how can you grow and how can you learn from situations and to me you know that whole growth mindset would be involved with transitions how can I learn from what just happened you know that so a growth mindset and what I notice with some women and again this is not uh scientific okay it's right. more anecdotal, anecdotal. sure it goes back to mindset you know like I have single friends some divorce some never married, and it's their mindset. I'm just fine. I'm dependent. I don't need anybody. You know, now research says people who have companions live, I don't know, I think it's two to three longer. Okay. Um, and I think it's more enjoyable. I look at some of my friends, and, uh, you know, I think they could be doing some more adventure, but they're alone. So then I, I share with them that, like, we just got done with, my husband and I went on a Backroads trip. Backroads is a tour company. Uh -huh. They started out as a biking company, but we like the walking slash hiking. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they schlep all your stuff, You great food, great restaurant, or great hotels. But there were two women on our latest trip. Two single women, not together. One was from Houston. One was from Arizona. They didn't know each other. Nobody, you know, and uh, they were just there enjoying everything. And I recommend that to my single friends because when you want companionship, you have it, you feel safe, you're traveling, back roads, they have a tour anywhere in the world you want to go, Greece, whatever. Um, but when you're, but when you want to be by yourself, you can be by yourself. And you, you know, if you want to eat alone, you can eat alone. If you don't want to, right. you have. And so, um, there's a company. We did a river cruise a few years ago, and discovered that this company is called Grand Circle. Pretty sure that's right. And they're okay. And that's a river cruise. But they also own something called Outdoor Adventure Travel Oat. And okay. I'm mentioning this because I think your listeners. Um, we met a woman there. She was single. She'd been divorced for quite a while. And she said she's done many trips with this company and she loves that company. But it's the only company she knows of that will not charge you more for a single room. 
Oh, yeah. Trying to get penalized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, again, I think it's mindset. If you want adventure, there are ways to do it. And right. actually, I have a married friend whose husband doesn't like to travel. So she goes on these trips by herself. Sure. And loves it. Um, That's and great. doesn't want to take a friend because she said, if I take a friend, then I'm compromising, you know? Right. I right. want to be totally independent. So, anyway, those right. are just some tips. I think it's mindset, Leslie. Yes. I would say from the 200 people I've interviewed so far Uh on this podcast, that when people ask me, what's the one thing that holds them all together? It's mindset. It's extraordinary. So we're pulling to the end here. You've given us so many great tips. Where can people find you? Well, very good. My website is janfreed.com, two N's and two E's. I'm active on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm getting more active on Instagram. I was kind of slow to the game there. Um, I do have a Facebook. I actually have a private Facebook group called Becoming a Sage, where I only post things about positive aging. Um, And as I mentioned, uh, or I might not have mentioned, I do have a podcast called Becoming a Sage, where I interview people about positive aging and that again, if they go to my website and sign up for my monthly email newsletter, they would also get a monthly podcast. And I've interviewed some very interesting people. Like I interviewed Jen Lynn, uh, author of uh, Beyond Happiness. Mm. Um, and she and Tony Shea started that, you know, happiness. Uh, oh, okay. I Tony remember Shea him. Zappos. Yeah. Yes. She has a new book out called, uh, Yeah, I think it's called Beyond Happiness. And so I've interviewed some interesting people about positive aging. Uh, I interviewed Christy Nelson, who's the executive director of uh, Mm gratefulness.org. Yeah. So anyway, or the Grateful Network, I think. Anyway, that's how I can be found. And I'd love if people check me out. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm honored. So thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope if you liked it, you will leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us get out there so other people can find us. It's really important that we have reviews. Please give us some stars, hopefully five. And if you're serious about your reinvention, mosey on over to coveyclub.com and check out what we've got there for you. It's all free. It's fabulous research, writing, essays, articles, downloads, how-tos, all about reinvention, and then even wider, all about midlife and the changes that happen at midlife, because we know there's a lot of change at midlife, and we're all going through it. And if you're super serious about your change, and as Jan says, don't do this alone. You need to find groups that you can do it with. And that is why we exist. The reason why Covey Club exists is to help you through change. And we bring wonderful women together, just like Jan, smart, intelligent, accomplished, who want to help each other make these different transitions. And also what you have to remember is you need to, to go wider, not narrower when you're making a transition. So I hope that you'll join us at CoveyClub.com and also make sure that you follow the podcast and we'll see you next time. Take care.